So a bit ago when uh, Pastor Brian was coming up with all the topics and uh, saying, okay, uh, dishing out the subject matter, he said, he looked at me and said, you, you're handling resolving conflict because you need work on this area. I think, I think the model church member thing is really more about the fact that, you know, we, we pay our tithe uh, on a regular basis-ish, and um, we park far away from the visitor spots. We don't actually park in the visitor spots, uh, so I think that probably fits the qualifications better. Of, um, so I'm, but since I'm talking about conflict, I realize for some of you that actually took a peek in your bulletin, I've already created conflict for you. You're like, oh no, he has fill-ins. I hate fill-ins, but I do. There should be a pen near you. Grab one of these. And it's even worse than that because not just as there one page, there's actually more in the back. I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. So, um, so if you're in conflict over that, then I, I apologize. You can see me later. Uh, I am one of those people that if you give me a fill-in and fail to, fail to give me the fill-in, the fill-in and the fill-in, I am really in, in not, not good shape. So I will do my best to give you the fill-in for the fill-ins, right? Great. Okay. Some of you have uh, come into conflict when you think about Sunday mornings. Before you were a churchgoer, Sunday mornings was blissful. Life was easy on Sunday mornings. And then somewhere along the way, you decided to go to church and had no idea that the decision to go to church would suddenly make conflict on Sunday mornings almost a regular occurrence, right? Sometimes it's more difficult to get out of, out of the house on Sunday mornings to go to church than it is any other day of the week. Uh, and so I just realized that conflict is, is natural to us. It's something that occurs uh, all the time. And the truth is, conflict is everywhere. Everywhere. We see conflict in our current events, sadly, almost on a daily basis. We see conflicts in faraway places like the country of Turkey, and of course, Nice, France, we saw that. We've seen it in Syria and uh, other countries. We've also seen it close to home. We've seen it in places like uh, Dallas, Texas, or Orlando, Florida, San Bernardino, California. We see it in various forms on the television. We see it in various environments uh, in our world. And we, we certainly see it very, very close to home on a regular basis, particularly on a, on a Saturday afternoon near Thanksgiving. Okay, I'll wait a minute. I'll wait a minute. Or anytime the scarlet and gray is near the maize and blue, right? That's, that's when real conflict occurs. Okay. So, conflict can hap- happens anywhere. It, you, we've seen it when we go out on the, we see it on the playground, right? When we watch two kids in conflict. It's amazing to see how that gets resolved, but I've seen it even happen in the playpen, like with one of them, right? They, they, they're looking and suddenly you see something come over that little child and they say, you kind of get this sense. That's not what they, they don't do this like physically, but you can almost see their will do one of these motions, like, Oh, yeah? And who are you to tell me this, oh, parent? Right? And as soon as I see that, I'm like, oh, we got a whole other level of stuff going on right now, right? And so I get down real low and like, yep, I'm supposed to win these. You realize that, right? 
And they hold on to the playpen and say, oh yeah, I'm going to test that every step of the way. And so conflict occurs in all kinds of places. <clears throat> so this is your first fill-in. If you got your pen, there should be a pen near you. I don't think anybody ran out of ink in the first service, although they might have. Conflict is the driver for all of our stories. All of our stories. In fact, by the way, the greatest story that we talk about is this story. Okay, and the very conflict that we, that we recognize was resolved through this story is the conflict that we have with God the minute that we're born. Because we're born into sin nature, and there's a conflict immediately with God and His righteousness. And fortunately, when we look at the, at, the, at the balance, unfortunately, we see that we can never pay that price. But ultimately, God sent His Son that we might see that conflict resolved and have the opportunity to go to heaven. So we understand first and foremost that, that the very nature of our lives is one of a, if we are believers and have reconcile with God, then we have a major conflict already resolved for us. And that's a good thing because we couldn't do it ourselves. But conflict is in all of our, it's part of all of our stories. And I want to give you, I want to unpack that a little bit because we see conflict everywhere, not just in our, in our newspaper and on the television, but in our, the stories that we read, not just our stories, but the stories that we read or absorb, the movies we go to, the television shows we may watch. And so I want to go through five types. Actually, there are six, but I'm going to give you just for your fill-in folks that are really key on this. There's going to be one in the middle that's really got two answers. So let me not confuse it because I had major issues. There was a riot in the first service. We had to calm them down. Police, people were escorted out. It was not pretty. All right, for the first one is man against man. And this is, a, this is common. You know, it's a, it's a typical clash. We have the clash. We, we, we see this in all kinds of stories. It's just man against man. There's usually a, a good guy and a bad guy. And that's how the stories play out. Okay, that's a very common one. Another one is man against nature. Man against nature, what we do to fight back the forces of nature. I grew up in South Florida. One of the things that we were very keen on watching were hurricanes. And so we realized, because we had to do certain things in order to fight back against nature when nature was on its way. Little did I know that when we moved to Ohio, we actually, I think it was probably about six or seven years ago, we actually experienced part of a hurricane here, at least winds that were from the hurricane. It's like, man, how far do you have to go to get away from those things? So man against nature is a common, common uh, theme of conflict. And then the third one, and this is the one that there's really two sides to this. There's man against God. So you kind of have this, this discussion going on with God. And why are you doing that, God? And what's up with this, God? And why do I have to do that, God? It's kind of this constant conflict with God. The, the other side of that, so this is still number three on the fill-ins, okay? The other side of that is man against no God. Where are you, God? Why aren't you here, God? I'm in this situation, and you're not to be found, God. Seriously, God? Are you ever, anywhere, God? That, so there's two sides of that equation. Number four, man against society. Now, this is one of those areas where we are finding ourselves as a people, our society is changing rapidly. Rapidly. 
Just as an FYI, you know, uh, the iPhone, I think, came out like not even like, what, 11 or 12 years ago? Nine years ago? Thank you, Steve. Nine. Not even 10 years ago, the iPhone came out. Now, we, you know, we ha- it hasn't been forever that we had this, all of this information literally at our, at our disposal in the palm of our hand. Right? That's an amazing thing. But I think what it's done is it's sped up change. It's sped up our society's changing. And again, some of that is good, but some of it's not good. Some of it is against God, and some of it is against the traditional values that many of us hold. And so those things are, are dynamic, and they're happening, and the velocity of change is getting more and more. More and more. Personally, I think that one of the most grievous things that, that uh, like Google has brought is it's really crushed those who are good at trivia. It's like too easy. It's like, oh yeah, I found, I found that answer. Or probably more correctly, I, or if you're really good, it's the like multiple things. I can't do that. It's like it's one finger. Right? So man against society. And then there's this one. Man against himself. Man against himself. This is one of those areas that I find personally is particularly challenging. In fact, um, uh, I don't know, for those of you that come to second service regularly and never been to first service, um, you guys get a bonus song at worship time. I don't know if you know that. They only play three worship songs, so I don't know about, about others in the nine, nine o'clock service, but I've like trimmed my tithe by that amount. So three, I get only, only four songs, so I'm, I'm giving them 75% of my tithe and so I've just, it's, it's a, so it's a discount if you come to the early service. No, I'm kidding. Totally kidding. I didn't mean that, Pastor Brian. I really didn't mean that. The, uh, but I was listening in the bonus song this morning about, um, he's a good, good father, right? He's a good, good father. And the line says, because it's who you are. It's who you are. But that's not the difficult line. The difficult line is the next one. It says, and I'm loved by you. That's who I am. And I don't know about you, probably this does not apply to anybody in this room, but I struggle with that. Because I know I am not someone who is lovable. I know the depth of diffi- and, and the sin and the sin nature that I carry. I know the places that I have been and the things that I have done against that father, that good, good father. And I have no business to be loved by him. And yet... He loves me anyway. And it's that kind of talk, it's that kind of man against himself that I am wrestling with constantly. I am talking to myself. By the way, the first sign of senility is when you talk to yourself. Right? the, The proof that you've moved into senility full on is when you lose the argument. Okay? But I, I, I have these conversations. I'm hearing things. I, I'm uh, there. You know, the enemy is speaking things to my mind through other people, and I'm hearing negative things all the time. And what happens is I pick up those negative things. I I I I um, internalize some of those negative things because I know that in some cases they are true or were true. And yet God speaks to me and says don't worry about those. 
or I will work with you on those. He's fighting. And so when I'm, when I'm struggling with my sin nature and he's giving me my Holy Spirit uh, marching orders, I am working on those. And that's really, in one sense, man against himself. Man against the very things that are going on internally. The internal speak. So the five or six, depending upon how you look at it, is man against man, man against nature, man against God, which again can also be man against no God, and then man against society and man against himself. And just to kind of drive the points home for this, I went out and found uh, some, I wanted to describe this, these five things in the terms of uh, Tom Hanks movies, because there are a lot of those. All right, the first one, man against man, saving private Ryan. Yep. So great, great quote, actually capsulizes the movie uh, in just two words. When Captain Miller speaks to Private Ryan towards the end, he says, earn this. And it's this whole man against man struggle that he's in. Man against nature, cast away. Okay, there's, uh, there's, there's uh, two good quotes. The first one is this. He says, I know what I have to do now. I got to keep breathing because tomorrow the sun will rise. Who knows what the tide could bring? So he has a struggle against nature. He's on the island. And my second favorite quote from that movie is, Wilson! How about man against God, angels and demons? I've not seen this movie and don't necessarily recommend it, but he says, I'm an academic. My mind tells me I will never understand God. How about man against society? This is a great movie, Forrest Gump. Stupid is as stupid does. Right. This other one, my mama always said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And my personal favorite of the, of, of the Tom Hanks movies that I'm going to talk about is Man Against Himself, and that's Joe versus the Volcano. If you haven't seen this, this is a quirky, weird movie, but it is really fun. And he's got two very important quotes. The first is, always pack a ukulele. And the next one, which is actually really a good one, is always get a second opinion. Now, please understand that all of our entertainment, our movies, our television shows, our books, our music contain conflict. That's, that's in fact, what, they, what they, they're supposed to do. I, I, I've talked to some Christians. I work with a lot of Christians, and occasionally we get in these subjects, and they, they're going to put down one movie or this Christian movie or that Christian movie, and they said, well, it would have been good. And when I listen really carefully, they basically are telling me it would have been a really good Christian movie if they pulled out all of the conflict. It's like, but then it would be really boring, and no one would want to go see it because we live in conflict. In fact, we watch conflict, but the negative side of that is all of our, all of our media essentially is conflict, right? We're watching conflict all the time, whether it's man against man, man against himself, whatever it is, we're watching conflict. In fact, some shows are designed to create conflict. Some reality shows, how many of you are, or have ever watched Survivor? Yeah, I was a big Survivor fan for a long time. And then I started to realize that they basically just pick a bunch of knuckleheads who are ready to battle at any, mo- any point in time. That they put, they intentionally choose people that will come together so they can create conflict because that's good television, 
right? How many of you ever heard this about our own news? If it bleeds, it... Well, thank you. If it bleeds, it leads, right? So they have this, uh, the, the very news that we watch is, is all intentions. Like, um, no, that's good. No, that's nice. No, that's not really, um, that's not really uh, exciting. Oh, oh, this is good. Here, let's do this. And what is that? That's real intense stuff. And so we feel like, I, like uh, even watching the local news, I'm, I'm all, I get all, like, in, all in an uproar, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, life's falling apart. And I realize, wait, 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 hold on. We're in Columbus, and what he was just describing happened to something in some other state, you know, 11 states away, uh, and it's not like it's down the street and around the corner, but I'm all like, oh my gosh, it's coming to our neighborhood. And, and that's, that's the nature of our media. It's drawing that to us, and we have to be careful. I'm not saying that's bad necessarily, except how we respond to it, but when it does get bad is when we let the world when we let the world teach us how to resolve conflict, that's when we get into a difficult place. So, it, and it's in those places that we need, to, we need to step back, realize that's the world resolving it, and then understand what does the word say and how can I let the Holy Spirit speak to me in the conflict. So I have two other Two other types of conflict that I learned about, by the way, after I, I sent the notes in to be included, so there are no fill-ins for these. One of them is man against technology. Man against technology. And so Apollo 13, Houston, we... Yeah, so that's technology gone awry. If you know that, it's actually a very good, very good movie, very good story. Um, so, but technology is one of those things that frustrates us. It either frustrates me on two different accounts, one of which is I am wrestling with the fact that I know that technology can do that, but I can't get it to make it work. Right? Right? Now, okay, I realize I'm going to, I'm going to use a, a, an ancient term, an ancient term, but I want... I want some of you to stay with me, okay? So if you're under 35, this is probably a term you've never heard before, uh, but feel free, Google it now. It's the, it's the term VHS, okay? I don't know about you, but we had this, this, uh, this, this box in the, where we had VHS. I won't even describe what it's for, except that it had a clock on the front of it that could somehow defied the ability to be set. So this frustrated me, and so we finally fixed it. We went and got electrical tape and put it right over the front of the face. <laughs> Done. Right? So, so uh, man against technology. So technology can be frustrating when we don't know how to make it work. But of course, it gets very frustrating when it's supposed to work and it's not working. Right? It's not working. That's, that's a difficult situation, but it's a very first world, very modern uh, situation for us. And then how about this? Man against reality. And I like a league of our own, right? There's no crying in baseball. He wrestles, by the way, with the reality that there are girls playing baseball. That's his, his journey in that, in that movie. Uh, and there's this great scene where you have the batter, the girl batter. She goes to step in and she looks to the dugout. And the catcher, the, the woman catcher, has basically taken over the team because Tom Hanks' character is not interested in participating. And you got the signs and the, this is what we're doing. And the, the batter says, got that. She nods her head. She steps in. 
And then Tom Hanks comes out. Suddenly, this is like a turning point in the movie. He decides to actually manage the team. He picks that moment to do it. He steps out, and he begins to send his own signs. And she says, okay, got that. And then the, the catcher says, what are you doing here? You haven't been here all season. And she, returns, she gives him another sign, and she goes, okay. And pretty soon the batter's like, what do I do? What do I do? And this is us. This is man against reality. What is the reality for us? By the way, by the way, there is a whole lot of information rolling around that is not reality. Not reality. We believe it is, but it's not. It's simply perception. And when our perceptions are always substituted for reality, we can find ourselves in the wrong spot, championing something that really is not real. And so we need to check in with the Holy Spirit. We need to check in and discerning certain things and make sure that we are understanding those, what is real. But I, I invite you to beware of your own perceptions. Now back to the outline. Anticipating conflict or confrontation can often produce a fight or flight response. Now this is how our bodies are designed. They're, they're designed in a way so when pressure comes, adrenaline kicks in, and we typically will that, we'll use that adrenaline to do one of two things. Either we will run away or we will run to fight. By the way, just because our bodies are designed to do that does not make that the right thing to do when it comes to resolving conflict. Fortunately, fortunately, those that came before us didn't run from the tasks. Those that we read about either in our, in our history books that allow us to be here or in our true, his story book tells us that they, they, didn't, they didn't flee, but they embraced the opportunity. And some had to fight. So fight or flight is uh, often that scenario, like I said, is designed, that's our natural flesh. Uh, we don't want our flesh to dominate our spirit man, but we want to discern when it's happening and try to counter it or recognize that maybe that is the right thing to do. It's time to flee, it's to, or it's time to fight. By the way, conflict usually stems from unmet expectations. Am I right? If you think about it, most conflict arises when we expected something that then did not occur or did not occur according to how we expected it to happen. One of my favorite questions to ask anybody about something that just happened is this. This is like my all-time favorite. My staff is getting tired of hearing it. I will ask them, okay, we just did such and such. We were at this event or we, we saw this clip or we, uh, it, we were talking with so-and-so and I will ask them, what surprised you? And that question is actually a good question because it, what it does reveal is it reveals what were your expectations? Because if you were surprised, it means your expectations were one thing and you got something different. And that can be negative or it can be positive, but it's a good like, diagnostic question. What surprised you? One thing I do know is that Pastor Brian has a very clear expectation of a restaurant's duty regarding cleanliness, service, and food appeal. Amen? If you're not friends with him on Facebook, then you would know this if you were. Uh, and when his expectations are not met, 
He might take the occasion to call the manager over and explain how they've fallen short of his expectations, but he will certainly post it on Facebook so that all of us will know how that, how that entity uh, fell short of his expectations. Amen? I think he should be a food critic, you know, if uh, the pastoring thing doesn't work out. Um. But our expectations, what we bring to the moment is often something that the other person has no idea or didn't understand. And suddenly we're angry or we're in conflict or we perceive that we're in conflict because they didn't meet our expectations, whoever they are. I have expectations of certain drivers on the road. Like to follow the rule, slower traffic, keep right. That doesn't seem too hard to me. Do I get an amen? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> slower traffic, keep right. I bring that expectation. See the sign? I want to I donate money to the state of Ohio to put up more of those signs. Like I think every, all those little things that go across should flash that constantly. Either, either slower traffic keep right or just stay out of Jarrell's way. I'm good with either one. And when I come to, and also I have certain expectations like when I'm driving around, I create conflict with other people when I'm driving in a crowded parking lot. And it's like, that's my space. What are you doing there? Where'd you come from? Or when someone decides to take two spaces or they park too close to the line. Those are just, I think those are reasonable expectations, don't you? Don't say anything. Joe, Joe. Okay, conflict. This is an interesting thought. When I was preparing for this, I, I, I had heard this, I knew it, but even thinking about it again, it, it's a little bit of a mind-altering understanding, a paradigm shifter. Conflict can be a tool for God or a weapon wielded by my spouse. I'm kidding, no, Satan. And they're not the same, and I'm just kidding. So I will be in conflict resolution this after, all afternoon. By the way, so it can be a tool for God, and that's what I want to hang on to, but I also understand that Satan is trying to drive conflict, trying to drive a wedge in between us and, and other things that are important, like the growth, like our spiritual growth. And sometimes, though, I think we give Satan way too much credit, way too much credit. We'll call something spiritual warfare when really what it is is, is fleshly acquiescence. I wasn't so much battling the spiritual environment as I was just yielding to what my flesh wanted. Like, oh, I really, I really felt called to have the other four slices of pie. Yeah, Adam's like, what, what, was there a point there? I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we, our flesh gets in the way and we, we, uh, we, we yield to our flesh and it has really nothing to do with Satan, although... You know, the scripture does say, by the way, if you're, if you're in any doubt, it says the enemy seeks about, roams around, seeking whom he may devour. Right? So we have an active enemy. And by the way, it is probably not the person with, when, with whom you are in conflict. But the enemy use, wants to use that. So Ken Sandy says this. Conflict is one of the many tools that God will use to help you develop a more Christ-like character. Think about that. 
God uses conflict, not so much the conflict, but how we approach it, how we engage it, how we work to resolve it. He uses all those pieces to allow us to be more like Christ, to, uh, to encourage us to be more like Christ. Let that sink in. Conflict may be something God is using or wanting to use to develop you into more of what he wants you to be. As I mentioned, much of the Bible is about people in conflict. Resolving conflict isn't always about winning. It just might be about learning the lessons that God wants to teach us. By the way, it is possible to win the battle and lose the war. When we approach conflict solely as something to win, we've already lost. Let me say that again. When we approach conflict, when we come to that moment where our determination is, I am going to win this because I am right, and it could be that you are, and I am not going to be undone by someone who is wrong, because certainly they are, but the minute I'm standing in, that's my goal is to win this, I'm in, I probably already lost. And I've lost sight, if nothing else, of the fact that God would want to use the process. What do I need to yield or lay down? Hold on. What do I need to yield or lay down so that this conflict can actually be resolved? That's the better place to be. We don't want to win the battle and lose the war. Let me give you five scriptures that guide us in resolving conflict. Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. The, the word offense, and, be, and that's offensive, have been, has been thrown around a lot lately. Everybody agree? I mean, a lot. And I think too much. But the bigger point is how people feel like they have to respond to everything that they somehow seem offended by. And the truth is, Wisdom tells us that we can probably overlook some offenses, that some things don't rise to the level of, of, uh, of, of, a, of a conflict resolution scenario. Some things can just simply be overlooked. You know what? That's not critical. That's not important necessarily for our relationship to go forward. So I am simply going to overlook that. And overlook it means you overlook it, let it go, it's a move on, and let that happen. Now, If we don't overlook it and we don't engage conflict, we can then begin to internalize something. We begin to push it down and it begins to fester and then we don't deal with it. And if we're not careful that we haven't overlooked it, we have internalized it. That leads us to negative flight, um, complete avoidance, and the very worst case uh, along those lines would actually be something to say, I simply can't take it anymore. And of course, while overlook is a healthy flight or escape mechanism, holding it in might actually make the situation worse. And reacting to it, particularly if our situation is, say, our marriage or our family, taking flight can have a huge impact beyond the initial conflict, even creating more. Let's look at Matthew 25 and the Scriptures 23 through 26. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. 
First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. And I'll get to verse 25 in a second. Think about that. There's a lot there, but I want to unpack the main theme there. Okay, so we're doing something really good, right? Isn't it good to be at the altar? Yes, it is. Isn't it good to bring your gift to the altar? Yes, it is. Do we need to have the baskets pass again? I guess not. Okay. So we come to the altar. We've got our gift. And, there, and it says, and there you remember that someone has something against you. It doesn't say that remember that you have something against someone, something you have something against you. And then it says, leave your gift, right? Leave your gift at the altar. Go and be reconciled with your brother. So Matthew 5 tells us, hey, if there's a problem that needs to be resolved, it's our responsibility to go and resolve it. Now look at verse 25 and 26. Settle matters quickly. These two things are connected, by the way. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Wow, we were at the altar with our gift in one moment, and then we're in in, in jail to every last penny in the next. What's going on? Well, if you look carefully, litigation is on the other side. So we have overlook, flight, and litigation is on the other side. Now we're going to combat. We're going to demand justice. We have to make it happen. Now, I know that there are situations where we have to rely upon the system to do that, but the wisdom of Scripture tells us, look, do what you can to avoid that. Do what you can to mediate, to find the common ground. Come to it, come to it in a humble way. Approach that situation in that moment, being willing to participate in the conversation that brings resolution. I think that's the wisdom of Scripture, and it connects those two things. We have a responsibility to go and reconcile, or we have the responsibility to do our best to settle things quickly. And I would say that litigation is a failure to resolve conflict. I had a lawyer friend years ago tell me this, by the way, that our, our, our system of, ju- of justice... Never mind. I won't make any comments about that in light of the last couple months. <laughs> Control thyself. Okay. Uh, our system of justice on the, on, the, on the local level is not designed to uncover the truth. It's only designed to quell a conflict. Right? So it can't be relied on to do what we want. But what we really want is we want the truth to be known. We want, we want righteousness to prevail. It's not designed to do that. Occasionally, the Lord can, do, can work through that, make that happen, uh, but it's, it's not really organized or built for that to happen. Let's go to Matthew 18, 15. This is a classic uh, passage about, uh, we often talk about church discipline, but actually this is, the, this is the passage for conflict resolution. If your brother or sister sin, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. So that's the classic one. Again, Matthew 5, go to the altar, gift, wait, there's a problem, go. The other one says, if your brother sins, go. Either way, we are called to be the ones to go 
in an attempt to resolve that. We are not released in any way from that. Uh, verse 18, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I said in the first service that that's, a, that's the, the prayer for missionaries, particularly if you're dealing with um, internal uh, issues, like plumbing issues, but never mind. Uh, verse 19, Again, verse 19, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I didn't realize earlier, I've always kind of had these scriptures in, in their own context, but they are connected. The process of reconciling, a reconciling conflict brings us to where we can agree. And when we agree, it says Jesus will, will be with us. The Father will be with us. So those things are connected. Uh, Matthew Five, nine. This is from the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Know that being called a child of God involves being a peacemaker. Not everything that is problematic calls you to solve it. Huh. Let me say that again. Not everything that is problematic calls for you to solve it. Or even to comment about it. Peacemaking does not incite, it blesses. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Is this even possible? I think so. I think there's a possibility. As long as we allow the Holy Spirit's work and especially when we remember who our true enemy is. So my best advice, these are the last of the fill-ins. Avoid creating conflict. Proverbs 15:18 says this, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. How about this? Don't carry someone else's offense. Don't carry someone else's offense. By the way, if you find yourself hating someone, you know, hate is not okay. It's not. If you find yourself hating someone, particularly someone else that you don't even know, you are in the wrong spot. Or if it's someone you do know, but it's, it's about something that they didn't do to you, you've picked up someone else's offense. Be very, very careful, because by doing that thing, we, we insert ourselves into the conflict that we ought not do. By the way, beware of politics. Or more correctly, politicians or anyone with a political agenda, because frankly, they are intentionally bringing conflict into your life to stir you to action. That's their whole goal, is to get you aggravated and angry so that you'll go do what they want you to do. Beware, that is intentional conflict brought into your home. And thank you very much that we live in a battleground state, right? Like, I I get to travel all over, and I'm like, really, you have no idea what it's like to live in a battleground state. Well, I live in Texas, that, you know, okay. Or I live in New York, we don't really see any of that. Right. Try living in Ohio or... Florida or these other places where this intentionally, you're intentionally told things to make you angry so that you pick up an offense and that it calls you to action. I just invite you, beware. Beware. Beware the conflict within. Look at this, uh, this, path, this quote from Kerry Patterson. 
as much as others may need to change or we may want them to change, the only person we can continually inspire, prod, and shape with any degree of success is the person in the mirror. In the mirror. That's the person that we can... We're all in constant internal conflict, spiritually, emotionally, sometimes mentally. That's what we need to deal with first, is that person in the mirror. Am I in the right place, or am I simply trying to correct that person on the other side of this equation? And by the way, sacrifice your right to be right. Jesus did this. He stood before the Sanhedrin perfectly sinless. He didn't even have a bad thought about those people who were spitting on him, who were accusing him of vile things. And he stood there and he gave up his right to be right in order to accomplish something greater. So when we're trying to be like Jesus, let's remember that he did that. And so again, we're not going to come to that spot where I have to be right. We want to yield that and say, okay, Lord, what do you want to have happen here? What can I come and be a blessing, a peacemaker that blesses? And then the last one is this. I want to come back to it. Embrace the fact that conflict can mold us. Here's the last quote I have from Ken Sandy in Peacemaking for Families. As you worry less about going through conflict and focus more on growing through conflict, you will enhance that process and experience the incomparable blessing of being conformed to the likeness of Christ. If you can't overlook an issue, make the decision to face it. Face it. Face it in a way that will honor God. Face it in a way that when you are in the midst of it, you're saying, okay, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to speak the way you want me to speak. And I want to recognize the value of the other person because the other person that's across from you is of inestimable value. Inestimable value. For those of you that would know this, uh, this, um, this particular author, Bob the Tomato, he says, God, says, God thinks you're special and he loves you very much. Right? We always have to come to that moment and honor the other person and honor God. And then listen to the Holy Spirit on what to say, how to say it, or probably the most important thing in a conflict is when not to say anything but listen. You know the whole two ears, one mouth thing? It's a good, good thing. Listen more. Listen, ask clarifying questions. Personal story, um, as you know, I, probably this doesn't happen where you in the world that you live in, uh, but Christian uh, ministries and uh, Christian leaders can come into conflict. Had one, had one of those. Uh, had someone call, call me up and challenge a decision that we made and said, I need to meet with you. I went, bring it. No, I said, happy, happy to meet with you. I understand you perceive this a certain way, happy to. They were coming to town anyway. We actually uh, got together at a meeting and then we said, we took the time after that meeting and sat for about almost an hour and we talked and half of it was me understanding. He had, he had made some assumptions about what our, our decision meant and what it meant beyond that moment. And I was able to clarify those. And, he was able to, and I was able to hear his heart about what, what, what was really at issue. And we sat for an hour and we, we worked it. 
We didn't change anything as far as the decisions that were made, but we worked on our relationship. And it was a little painful because there were some hard thing, harsh things that had to be said. I mean, it wasn't like bad words or anything. I mean, you know, we love Jesus. But it was two leaders, and we were talking about these things. And we, but we resolved it, and our relationship is on better footing for it. So listen to the Holy Spirit on what to say, how to say it, or when to just be quiet and listen. But most of all, welcome the Holy Spirit's presence to grant you calm, clarity, and confidence, not so much in yourself, but in the work that God wants to do in you and through you. Won't you stand?